Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the remarkable narrative woven by Rebecca Skloot in her critically acclaimed work, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. This gripping book unravels the true story of Henrietta Lacks, a young black woman and impoverished tobacco farmer whose cells were taken without her consent in the early 1950s. These cells, known as HeLa, became one of the most important tools in medicine, vital for developing the polio vaccine, uncovering secrets of cancer, and advancing biomedical research. Yet her family remained largely unknown and uncompensated. Skloot's investigation takes us through the intertwined histories of race, ethics, and scientific discovery, laying bare the disturbing truths about the exploitation of black Americans in the medical field. As much as it's a biography of a woman and her immortal cell line, it's also a deep examination of complex socioeconomic and ethical issues that resonate to this day. Rebecca Skloot, an award-winning science writer, brings her extensive experience and humanistic touch to this tale, with her work featured in esteemed publications such as the New York Times Magazine and Discover. She's also contributed as a correspondent to NPR and PBS. Her mastery has led to the story's film adaptation rights being acquired by Alan Ball and Oprah Winfrey, a testament to the narrative's profound impact. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks is an essential read for anyone interested in the history of medicine, as well as those who seek to understand the often troubled relationship between black Americans and the U.S. medical industry. It's a heartfelt tribute to a woman whose legacy continues to shape our world, a must-read for anyone interested in science, ethics, and the human stories behind major medical breakthroughs. Join us as we explore the life, death, and eternal contribution of Henrietta Lacks in 20 insightful minutes. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, How One Woman's Cells Change Scientific Thinking Forever. Introduction, Unveiling the Woman Behind a Medical Revolution. Imagine cells that never stopped growing, a cornerstone in research, underpinning medical breakthroughs that have saved countless lives. Though the cell's name, Hella, echoes through scientific corridors, the story of the woman from whom they originated has remained shadowed in obscurity until now. Henrietta Lacks, a name once lost in the echelons of medical history, emerges as the unsung hero whose body cells became immortal. Her HALA cells have propelled monumental strides in medicine, aiding the polio vaccine's development, fueling cancer research, and driving crucial insights into AIDS. Yet, ironically, Henrietta's individual legacy was nearly forgotten obscured by the towering achievements her cells fostered. Rebecca Skloot's quest unfolds two entwined narratives. One tells of Henrietta Lacks, the person, the mother, the patient who fought valiantly against the insidious creep of cancer. The other charts the odyssey of healer cells, immortal fibers that continue to divide and thrive long after Henrietta's death, birthing an industry that capitalizes on cell culture and gene patenting. This exploration is more than a mere recount. It is a revelation, a revelation of the crucial role played by cell strands in medical research 
and their potential to yield significant financial gain. It unveils an unsettling truth. Our very own cells stored for years well past routine hospital visits, often unbeknownst to us. The narrative digs deeper, into historical crevices filled with fear and distrust. It illuminates the petrifying folklore among slaves, cautionary tales of night doctors who would steal them away for ghastly experiments. Herein lies the root of a profound and enduring tension between black communities and the medical establishment, a chasm wrought by exploitation and suspicion. In this story, Henrietta Lacks is more than a medical marvel. She is a window into a past rife with ethical quandaries and a beacon for discussions on race, ethics, and the ownership of our bodies in the eye of science. The tale of Henrietta Lacks is a compulsory read for those interested in the intersections of medical history, the narrative of Black America, and the dynamic, at times contentious, future of cell research and genetic patenting. As the narrative unfolds, let us honor the life that continues to give, long after its flame flickered out. Part 1. The Origins of a Medical Legacy In the lingering heat of a Virginia summer, a child who would unknowingly etch her name into the annals of medical history was born. Henrietta was her given name, and her life's journey began in Roanoke, bound to the earth of the tobacco fields. She grew up cradling the leaves of the family trade, a world steeped in the rich, smoky scent of the South Boston tobacco market. Amid the rows of crops and dusty pathways, a youthful companionship blossomed with her cousin, a boy everyone called Day. As their lives intertwined, so did their destinies. At the tender age of twenty, Henrietta bound herself to Day in matrimony, and together they welcomed the cries of new life, even as the relentless hardships of farming life clawed at their doorstep. Seeking solace and prosperity, Henrietta and Day ventured forth to Sparrows Point near Baltimore, a beacon of hope on the horizon. But fate, it seemed, had a different plan. It was the winter of 1951 when Henrietta, wrapped in the drab hues of the segregated examination room of Johns Hopkins Gynecology Center, had a troubling encounter with her own mortality. A lump had cast a shadow on her cervix. The doctors, with clinical haste, harvested a piece of her life's fabric and dispatched it to the cryptic world of the pathology lab. Then, with little ceremony, they ushered Henrietta back into her life's tapestry, where the threads of motherhood, nourishment, and hearth awaited her tender hands. For a fleeting moment, life painted a veneer of normalcy until the harsh reality pierced through. Henrietta bore within her the seeds of epidermoid carcinoma, stage one. The battleground was set within the very vessel of her being. The doctors at Johns Hopkins, armed with the radioactive might of radium, waged war against the malignant intruder. Henrietta granted them their charter, signing off on each painful bombardment that promised salvation but wrought devastation. She became enshrined within the colored women's ward, each session a testament to both her agony and her resilience. Skin singed, flesh scorched by the ruthless kiss of radium's embrace, Henrietta became both patient and pioneer. Yet, the vigorous assault on her cancer bore no fruit. The year faded and with it, on the 4th of October, 
the flickering light of Henrietta Lacks was extinguished. But unbeknownst to all, the ruins of her battle would seed an immortal legacy that would flourish long after her final breath. Her demise marked not an end, but the genesis of an epochal story, a legacy that continues to resonate in the drums of medical progress. Part 2. A Legacy Cast in Cells. The Birth of Gila. As the curtain closed on the life of Henrietta Lacks, a new act was set to unfold, cast not in flesh and bone, but in the microscopic marvel that she left behind. Her cells, coded with the simplicity of her initials, Hiella, embarked on a journey that would defy the limits of mortality. In the pursuit of groundbreaking medical research, the quest of the era was a seemingly impossible one to coax human cells into living and multiplying outside the confinements of the human body. From cancer to polio, scientists yearned to unlock mysteries harbored within cellular walls. Yet, time and again, the cells they gathered would surrender to death shortly after extraction, slipping away before science could delve deep into their secrets. A breakthrough was direly needed, and it would come from an unexpected quarter. George Gay, Johns Hopkins' maestro of tissue culture, was driven by a vision far beyond his time. Known for his innovative spirit, Gay crafted the roller tube culturing technique, his magnum opus. His apparatus twirled tirelessly, its slow rotation seeking to mimic the life-sustaining dance of body fluids. Despite the brilliance in design, there lingered a shadow of doubt as Mary Kubicek, Gay's meticulous assistant, hesitated over whether the Heller cells would survive the trial. Yet, she stood witness to a cellular phenomenon. The halo cells were not merely surviving, they were flourishing. Their rate of division, a relentless rhythm of duplication every 24 hours, outpaced even the rapid invasion of Henrietta's own cancer. The secret to Heller's endurance was twofold. Gay's ingenuity hand-in-hand with the cell's own voracious propensity to metastasize. Within the confines of the roller tubes, the HeLa cells exhibited a zest for life unseen in their predecessors. Kubisek nurtured this living legacy, allocating them to a legion of tubes, each one a vessel of Henrietta's undying spirit. George Gay, the bearer of this immortal treasure, heralded the triumph to his contemporaries. The world now beheld the first immortal human cells. The Hela line, so robust and ready, became a coveted ally in laboratories across the globe, eager to probe into diseases like polio and cancer. The cells of Henrietta Lacks, though spawned from suffering, were destined to become the bearers of hope, cradled in countless vessels as a testament to a woman whose story was only beginning to be told. Part 3 The Gila Factory From Personal Tragedy to global triumph. The untimely demise of Henrietta Lacks gave rise to a profound movement within the scientific community, a movement poised to grapple with the scourge of its time, polio. This was the genesis of the Gila factory, an ambitious endeavor to harness the Hela cell's prolific nature and steer humanity towards the cusp of medical miracles. The Hela cells offered an unparalleled advantage to the scientific crusade economic feasibility. During an era where simian subjects were the norm, HeLa cells presented a more cost-effective alternative to the costly affair of monkey-based research, thus democratizing medical investigations across laboratories far and wide. 
Moreover, the Hella cells exhibited a tenacious resolve to thrive in a culture medium, creating endless possibilities for exponential growth, uninhibited by the spatial constraints of a glass dish. This adaptability made them an inexhaustible resource for researchers. Transportation resilience further buoyed the prospects of HeLa cells. While other cultures faltered under the rigors of long-distance shipping, HeLa cells multiplied with such fecundity that they turned even the act of transportation into a window of survival, reaching laboratories in distant lands still pulsing with vitality. But perhaps the most serendipitous trait of HeLa cells was their susceptibility to the poliovirus, a characteristic that turned them into the backbone of polio research. Recognizing their potential, the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis swiftly orchestrated the creation of the Gila Distribution Center, a well-oiled machine geared towards nurturing and dispatching these cells to research facilities eager to wage war against polio. In time, the applications of Hela cells expanded into territories beyond polio, from cancer to genetic disorders, becoming a canvas on which countless medical inquiries were painted. What began as Gay's simple act of sharing Gila cultures morphed into an industry replete with promise, seeding countless discoveries that would echo through the corridors of healing for generations to come. The tragedy of Henrietta Lacks bore the seed of hope, a cell that transcended its origin to become a symbol of collective progress. This was the dawn of an era where a single woman's legacy sprawled into every corner of medical exploration, her cells etching a story of life that not even death could silence. Part 4. The Woman Who Changed Science, Yet Remained Unrecognized As the HeLa cells weaved their way through the scientific tapestry of the world, their progenitor, Henrietta Lacks, and her kin receded into the backdrop, their contributions overshadowed by the cellular marvels they fostered. In the waning years of the 20th century, a chance encounter with a collection of articles on HeLa cells at a conference in one of the nation's historic black universities, ignited a new curiosity within the author. Quest-driven, she reached out to the convener, Roland Patillo, an academic progeny of George Gay, with a unique link to the lax story through the lens of racial inclusion. The revelations were jarring. Patillo unveiled a thread of reticence that wound through the heart of the lax family. Though the cells had achieved global reach, their living legacy clung to a belief laced with betrayal, a conviction that had Henrietta Lacks's miraculous cells been taken without due consent, without a whisper of the purpose they were to serve. Beneath this lay a deeper wound, a chasm bred from a harrowing history. This apprehension mirrored the echoes of exploitation, as in the somber narrative of the Tuskegee syphilis study that notorious instance where black bodies were charted, untreated, under the guise of science, leaving a legacy of mistrust towards the medical establishment. Armed with assurance of her noble intent, the author obtained the lax family contact information from a cautious patillo. In her quest for connection, she reached out, only to be met with silence. Her planned meeting with Henrietta's husband and children dissolving into the air leaving her with questions and a deepened resolve. Detoured but not daunted, 
the author wandered to Clover, Virginia, seeking the essence of the place that shaped Henrietta, and perhaps through the corridors of distant relatives, a path to the heart of the family that bore her. In Clover, amongst the roots of Henrietta's world, lay the hope of understanding and the possibility of finally bringing honour to the name of the woman who gave the world so much, yet remained known by so few. Part 5. A Family in Mourning, A Legacy Unknown In the wake of Henrietta Lacks's passing, her family found themselves grappling with more than just the gaping void left by her absence. The fragility of their financial state became all too apparent, as Day, her husband, stretched himself thin across two jobs attempting to keep the household afloat. Lawrence, the eldest child, made the mature sacrifice of abandoning his education to shoulder the responsibilities of caring for his siblings. As the lax children grew older, curiosity about their mother's fate simmered beneath the surface. Yet, Day's stern warning against stirring the past kept the truth shrouded in mystery. The children were left in the dark with only the echoes of a mother's name, Henrietta Lacks, and the knowledge of her untimely departure. The gnawing void of unanswered questions lingered into adulthood for Deborah, Henrietta's daughter. In her high school years, she braved the silence and confronted her father. However, his response was as bereft of detail as it was steeped in finality, offering no further insight into the identity of the woman who gave them life. Decades would pass before the author embarked on her own journey seeking understanding, traversing the landscapes of Baltimore and Clover, seeking wisdom from Henrietta's distant kin and the medical professionals who knew her case. Through persistence and empathy, the author inched closer to Henrietta's nucleus, her immediate family. It was a cautious dance of trust and revelation, but over time, the descendants of Henrietta Lacks opened the doors to their history. Not only did the author's quest shed light on the profound impact of Henrietta's cells, but it also illuminated the path for her family to understand the scope of her unintended contribution to science. Yet, amidst this deluge of discovery, an ominous cloud of reservation hovered. Unanswered queries and unspoken hesitations marked the family's stance towards the author and the medical community at large. What silent stories, what veiled sentiments held the Lax family in this protective shroud of reluctance? The HeLa cell's proliferation across the globe contrasted starkly with the intimate narrative of the family they hailed from, a family still tethered to the legacy of Henrietta's unspoken biography. Part 6. The Legacy of Mistrust Toward Medicine in the Black Community In venturing to piece together the story of Henrietta Lacks, the author collided with a formidable barrier, a mistrust deeply engraved in the Lacks family and indeed within the broader Black American community, toward the medical establishment and the white individuals often at its forefront. This profound skepticism has historical roots that stretch far back, intertwining with tales that have woven through the fabric of Black American oral tradition. Perhaps the most chilling of these is the lore of the night doctors, phantoms of the night who would snatch unsuspecting Black individuals for sinister experiments. This grotesque fable, a tale as persistent as it is dark, sparked terror in the African-American community. But its origins lie not in truth, but in manipulation, a tool wielded by white slave masters 
to anchor their slaves to their servitude through fear. White sheets, the same that would later manifest as the ghostly garb of the Ku Klux Klan, were once the disguise of those who masqueraded as menacing doctors or malevolent spirits, though the mythos of the night doctors was just that, a myth. Historical records indeed reveal a different grim truth. Enslaved individuals were subjected to experimental surgeries without consent. As the 20th century unfolded, the tendrils of distrust deepened. As hospital and research facilities lucratively sought after bodies for dissection and study, suspicion surged within the black neighborhoods, heightened by the geographic propinquity of institutions like Johns Hopkins to communities of poverty and color. Irony permeated this narrative as the legend of the night doctors cast shadows on the foundational intent of Johns Hopkins, which was to extend a healing hand to those impoverished and in need. Yet the historical scars carried by the community, coupled with genuine cases of exploitation, clouded the institution's benevolent mission. This legacy of wariness, meticulously chronicled in the past, rippled through the generations of the Lax family, becoming a mantle they wore with unease. It underpinned their guarded stance against the probing interests of doctors, researchers and inquisitive minds who sought to delve into the enigma of Henrietta and her immortal cells. In this wary gaze lay the echoes of a long-standing discord, a narrative far greater than a single family, a narrative that encapsulated the complexities of race, ethics, and the pursuit of medical advancement. Part 7, Gila Cells, a double-edged sword for scientific research. As Gila cells became a staple in labs across the globe, they bedecked the canvas of scientific discovery with possibilities. Researchers, buoyed by the cell's adaptability and resilience, pushed forward in their quest for medical breakthroughs for a gamut of diseases. Henrietta's cellular inheritance, it seemed, was a gift blessing the march of progress. But beneath the surface of this cell culture boom, an unsettling truth lingered, which geneticist Stanley Gartler brought into the limelight during a 1966 cell culture conference. Gartler, on a mission to uncover new genetic markers, those unique DNA sequences that act as biological barcodes, stumbled upon an alarming uniformity amidst the diversity of cell cultures. The common denominator, Hela. The ramifications of Gartler's findings rippled through the scientific community. Hella's aggressive nature was not just a boon for survival and multiplication. It was an invasive trait, capable of hitching rides on dust particles through the air, lingering on instruments, and surviving on the researchers' hands. Hella cells had breached the walls of other cultures, taking over and rendering them mere copies of itself. This revelation cast a shadow over years of painstaking research, entire bodies of work, premised on the variety and uniqueness of cell cultures, were called into question. Had much of the research just been unwittingly studying HeLa cells all along? The implications were staggering, the potential waste of time and resources sobering, a schism formed within the scientific world, with many choosing to remain steadfast in their cell culture educations, perhaps in disbelief or denial. Meanwhile, a discerning few acknowledged the gravity of Gartler's proclamation. These researchers faced the challenge of developing means to discern genuine cell lines from HeLa imposters. 
the key to this conundrum lay within reach, residing in the very DNA of Henrietta's original cells. It beckoned her surviving family to become part of the narrative in a way they never expected, to offer something of themselves to distinguish Gila's genetic footprint from all others. Thus, a lineage that felt forgotten became, once again, pivotal in the ongoing story of Gila's complex legacy. Part 8. Bridging Science and Family. The Gila Legacy Continues. In response to the unintended conquest of cell cultures by Gila, the medical community sought to reconnect with the origin of it all. Henrietta Lacks's Living Descendants, Johns Hopkins, which had served as the family's healthcare institution, provided the bridge to this critical engagement. The aim was clear gather genetic samples from Henrietta's kin to further understand the Gila contamination and contribute to the larger goal of human genome mapping, a project with the ambitious intent of charting our genetic destiny. The year was 1973 when the first international workshop on human genome mapping crystallized the need to trace Gila back to its roots. In pursuit of this mission, Victor McCusick, whose studies had touched upon Gila, tasked his postdoc Susan Shu with the pivotal job of reaching out to the Lax family. Sue approached Day Lax and with a blend of professionalism and care, conveyed the request for blood samples from his offspring, from Lawrence, Sonny, and Deborah, and the logistics for obtaining samples from their brother Zakaria, who was then incarcerated. Amidst these scientific overtures, a schism of understanding emerged. Day, perhaps in a misunderstanding or mistranslation of the request, instilled a sense of urgency rooted in cancer detection within his children, a distressing echo of their mother's fate. The authenticity of their respective claims faded into the backdrop as the sampling proceeded with the tangled threads of intent. For Deborah, the gravity of this moment was intensified by the weight of her genetic inheritance. With the fear of cancer looming, she sought solace in knowledge about her mother. Her plea for understanding to her father met with fragmented answers, driving her into the embrace of Johns Hopkins and unwittingly into further participation in their research efforts. Thus, the nexus between the Lax family and the continuance of Henrietta's cellular narrative was forged. A dialogue commenced, interweaving the personal with the profoundly global, as a family caught in the shadow of their matriarch's contribution sought answers, and a scientific community pursued the clarity needed to continue their work, all within the shared space created by Henrietta's indelible legacy. Part 9. Privacy and Property the debate over cell donation. The story of HeLa cells uncovers a pivotal chapter in medical ethics, a narrative that extends beyond Henrietta Lacks and her unique cells, entwining the lives of others who found their biological materials at the center of a privacy debate and profit-making enterprises. Among these cases is that of John Moore, whose encounter with a rare and lethal diagnosis brought forth not only a battle for his life, but also a legal battle for control. In 1976, diagnosed with hairy cell leukemia, Moore underwent treatment under David Goldie at UCLA. After the removal of his spleen, a specimen 11 times heavier than normal, Golda discreetly capitalized on Moore's cells, dubbed Mo, without his patient's knowledge. Moore, upon uncovering the cryptic dealings with his cells, 
took his grievance to court, igniting a case that would weigh personal rights against the scientific community's liberties. In the end, Golda retained the right to commercialize the Mo cells, marking a contentious victory for researchers over individual donors. In a parallel case, Ted Slavin, who, unlike Henrietta and Moore, was afforded a voice in the disposition of his cells, made informed decisions about the commercial potential of his antibodies, bearing the burden of hemophilia and its consequential hepatitis B antibodies. Slavin harnessed this unwitting advantage to both aid in the battle against hepatitis B and secure financial gains for himself, collaborating with notable figures such as Baruch Blumberg. These tales diverge from Henrietta's in measured yet impactful ways, yet all contribute to the ongoing discourse on the rights of individuals whose biological contributions inadvertently find value in the medical marketplace. Where Henrietta's voice could no longer resonate, Moore and Slavin stepped into the arena, challenging the norms and fostering a broader conversation on consent, privacy, and the notion of self as property in the ambit of biological research. As we navigate toward the closing chapter of the Hela saga, the implications ripple into the contemporary landscape, prompting us to consider the future of patient rights and the ethical frameworks that govern the delicate exchange between human material and medical advancement. The Hela case, exceptional and unexceptional in equal measure, lays the groundwork for debates that will undoubtedly shape the experiences of donors and researchers alike for years to come. Part 10. The Ethical Dilemma, Ownership of Cells and Progress in Medical Research The profound question at the heart of Henrietta Lacks' story is one that reverberates across the medical and legal landscape. Who holds the rights to our cells? In the journey from Henrietta's time to the early 21st century, it was not illegal for doctors to use a patient's cells for research or profit without their consent. This is no mere oversight, but a reflection of a complex intertwining of consent, commerce, and the pursuit of medical knowledge. The magnitude of the issue emerges in stark relief when we consider the vast repositories of tissue samples in the United States, hundreds of millions of samples from an equally staggering number of people. And as healthcare and technology advance, so too does the effort to catalogue these biological blueprints, with significant resources allocated to building databases of genetic material. The contemporary consent protocols draw a delicate line. Patients must give their nod for samples to be used in research, yet samples from diagnostic procedures can silently slip into future research reservoirs, no consent required. Advocates for the current system cite the adequacy of regulatory mechanisms, while opponents clamor for a patient's right to be informed, to have autonomy over the use of their cells, especially in research areas fraught with ethical complexity. The commodification of cells adds another layer to the debate. As the marketing of biological materials flourishes, the question of patient awareness about potential profits hangs in the balance. Furthermore, the burgeoning field of gene patenting intensifies these discussions about ownership rights and the distribution of what is fundamentally human. When President Clinton's National Bioethics Advisory Commission weighed in on the subject, they pinpointed the shortcomings of federal oversight in tissue research. Their push for expanded patient rights concerning the use of their cells 
emphasized ethical over financial interests, cautiously sidestepping the question of who truly benefits from the commercialization of biological materials. Henrietta Lacks's immortal cells continue to serve not only as a fuel for research, but also as a touchstone for the ongoing ethical debate, the complexities of consent, the rights to one's own biology, and the interplay between individual agency and collective progress remain as pertinent as ever. As science strides forward, the dialogue on these issues promises to shape the contours of both medical innovation and patient rights in the evolving landscape of biomedical research. Final summary. In the annals of medical research, the story of Henrietta Lacks stands as a testament to the profound impact of a single individual on the advancement of science. Harvested without her knowledge, the cells of Henrietta Lacks, known to the world as HeLa, became the bedrock of monumental medical strides. They facilitated the development of the polio vaccine and contributed to significant advances across various fields of disease research. Yet, amidst this scientific renaissance. The woman behind the cells remained in the shadows. Henrietta embarked on her journey through the medical system, unaware of the destiny her cells would fulfill. She passed away, cloaked in the same anonymity that shrouded her throughout her treatment, never to know that parts of her would achieve a form of immortality, serving as the foundation upon which countless lives would be bettered. The narrative of Hella cells is one of duality, a tale of unparalleled scientific contribution juxtaposed against the personal oblivion of the woman who made it all possible. It is a story that invokes reflection on the ethics of medical practice, the importance of informed consent, and the need for a balance between the pursuit of knowledge and respect for individual autonomy. Henrietta Lacks's unwitting legacy forged a path of discovery while prompting a necessary dialogue on the rights of patients within the ever-expanding realm of medical research. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, Please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.